Did you ever wish, by the way, I'm Lynn Rayburn, I'm the lead pastor, and I'm glad to see our guest here today. I'm looking, though, at a few more empty chairs than I'm accustomed to. I know that it's still the holiday season, and so we've got some holes in the crowd, but I'm glad that you're here. But what I was going to say is, did you ever wish that you had a volume control to, to turn people down, or in Shelley's case, to slow them down. I promise you that she normally does not speak that rapidly. And Aaron should never have told her in 30 seconds or less. I knew, I knew we were in trouble when he said that because she's going to speak 90 miles an hour. And I don't know about you, but I can't hear that fast. I'm from the South. And I, my ears don't work that rapidly. So if you want to know what she said, you can ask her later. And this has been an unusual morning. Um, some of you did not know that the, I mean, we've advertised the baptism service for several weeks now, uh, but maybe you didn't know it was going to be between the small groups and our worship service, but that's normally how we do that. But you missed out on the excitement after the baptism. Um, my wife brought my shoes in here with her things. She's shaking her finger at me. She always says, you don't have to tell everything you know. But, Lor <laughs> but Loretta, I was going to have to preach in my socks. I mean, they're, they're pretty socks, but nevertheless. I, I spoke to you last Sunday about a life-changing church. And we want our church to be a life-changing church. Terry, we're commanded to make disciples, right? If you make someone a follower of Jesus Christ, if they're a follower of Jesus Christ, they can't possibly stay the same and really be a follower of Jesus Christ. So, Cynthia, our purpose is to change lives. Now, change them, Todd, to what? What are the marks of a disciple? If we're talking about changing lives, making disciples, what are the marks of a disciple of Jesus Christ? Over the next several weeks, you'll get to hear from the preaching staff. I'm speaking this week on love. Todd is speaking next week on growth. And then Aaron is going to speak on serve. And then I will speak the last two Sundays of the month on give and go. You've got the whole outline of the month right there. Love, grow, serve, give, go. We believe that those are the marks of a disciple of Jesus Christ. Or you can just look in uh, the Bible and find the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians and, and the list is there. Those are the things that we want to see in someone who comes to Christ in our church and their life is changed. But Larry, that change doesn't just happen immediately. There is an eternal change that is made but there is a progressive change that is made in the life of the disciple. And that, David, is why we're here. We're to be life changers. 
Now, the first change that we want to see happen in someone's life is love. Now, I need you to understand about love that love is a gift. Love is a gift from God, and it is a gift that we give other people. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. It also says in Galatians, I mentioned Galatians and the fruits of the Spirit. What is the first of those gifts that are listed? Well, it's love. But for the fruit of the Spirit is love. When the Spirit of God moves into your heart, the second that you trust Jesus Christ, He desires to bear fruit in your life. And if you allow Him to bear fruit, if you walk in tune with the Spirit of God, He will give you the gift of love. Love for God and love for others. Anybody remember what we said that our goal is here? Love God, love others, and reach the world. That's why we're here. And to accomplish that, we've got to love, we've got to grow, we've got to serve, we've got to give, and we've got to go. Love is a gift. God loves you. You know, there's a lot of people. When's the last time you said that to someone? The next time the young lady at Walmart is a little short with you, why don't you tell her, God loves you. And so do I. There's a lot of people who feel so badly about themselves. Now, I'm not suggesting there should be no conviction for sin and rebellion against God. But even when you rebel, God loves you. And you need to know that. God loves you. No matter who you are or what you've done, God loves you. God loves you. The, the most familiar verse of Scripture in the world is John 3.16. That's Swahili, by the way, John 3.16. Uh, I could have done it in English, Terry, but what would have been the fun in that? I mean, all, all of you know it, right? For God so loved the world that He gave His Son so that you could be saved. God loves you. He loves you enough that He died for you. Love comes from God. It is a gift from God. And he loves you because God is love. Now, my friend Jeff Holsizer used to say, uh, God is love, and that means love is God. Uh, no, it doesn't work that way. Think about that. Love is not God, but God is love. Love is from God. Because God is love, He sheds that Spirit abroad in your heart and brings the love of God into you so that you have the ability. You know God's love and you can show God's love because He gives you the gift of love. 
Love is from God because God is love. That is an unchangeable part of his character. God demonstrates his love. He demonstrated his love for you. We said, said John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, gave his only son that you would not perish because you've believed in him. He demonstrated his love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Just in case there is any person at all here today who has never trusted Christ, I need you to understand when we're talking about a life-changing church, we're not saying that we're going to help you reform and be a better person so that you can go to heaven by being a better person. Nobody's that good. Nobody can do that. The only way you can make it to heaven, the only way you can be saved is by receiving Christ as Savior. Gail, he paid that price. There's no more price to pay. We used to sing the song, Todd, Jesus paid it all. We also sang, all to him I owe. He's paid it all. He demonstrated our love by sending his son to die for your sins and for mine. And that is the only way of salvation. But it is the demonstration. Let me show you how much I love you. And he stretched out his arms and died. What a beautiful picture that is. He demonstrated his love for us. And he enables us to love others. Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. It's not easy to love some people. I do pretty well until I get behind the wheel, the steering wheel of the car. We had a, we had a rough week. I told you that just because the office is closed does not mean we're not working. Aaron worked his backside off this week. I mean, he put in several 12-hour days this past week. Uh, Friday night praying didn't happen without a, a lot of effort. I, I praise God for that. We just, what, what I said was we're keeping irregular hours. I had to go rake my mother-in-law's leaves and, and burn them. It looked like the, the leaves were so deep Gail, that it looked like a conflagration. I mean, it, it looked like there was a forest fire going on. I was in the yard working. Brenda was in the house cleaning the house. Her mother is not able to do that any longer. So we had a rough week and, and a long drive home and pouring rain. And I will confess with my hand up, Eric, I was frustrated and I was tired and I was ill. I did not take it out of my life. I know better than that. That doesn't pay. 
But I will admit that I was, I, I reverted to my African driving style. If you, if you live in Africa, you better drive the way they do or you don't survive. I reverted to my African driving style and I apologized to Brenda later. And she said, I have not seen you drive that aggressively in years. I do pretty well till I get behind the wheel of the car. Can anybody identify with that? Can I get an amen? Sometimes it's hard to love other people. And Jenny, we don't do that by nature. We only do it, Ginger, by the power of the Spirit of God living in us. That love of God and the indwelling Spirit yields fruit and enables us to love other people, even one another. It is the Holy Spirit. God has given us His Spirit as proof that we live in Him and He in us. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in His love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. 1 John chapter 4, those are the verses that we read this morning. I've got a question for you. Is your love for God and others growing? See, we're talking about being a life-changing church and making disciples. Is your love for God greater now than it was the day you got saved? Is your love for God greater this first Sunday in 2022, that does not mean 2020 also. It, it means 2022. We don't want to relive 2020. Can I get a witness? We, we, we don't want to go through 2020 again. But is your love for God this first Sunday of the new year greater than it was the first Sunday of last year? Are you growing in Love. Listen, love is a mark of a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's an identifying mark. And that's what we're talking about. Marks of a disciple. Love is the first one. You need to understand, love is not only a gift, but it's a command. And therefore, it is a choice. God commands us to love. We choose whether or not to obey Him. Now, not everybody that's saved just automatically starts loving everybody. Thank you for the laughter. I'm not sure why, but... We choose to obey or not. He commands it, but that doesn't necessarily make it so. We have to choose to obey. God commands us to love God, to love Him. He said to him, this is Jesus speaking to the man who asked the question, what's the greatest commandment? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first 
commandment, Matthew chapter 22. We're commanded to love God. How can you recognize that He loved you so much that He gave His only Son? How can you look at Jesus on the cross and not love God for what He's done? Aaron was going to use a video in the Lord's Supper tonight, and we all looked at it and, and, and said, oh, that's just a little bit too graphic. The kids might take that badly. I used scenes from video clips from The Passion of the Christ by Mel Gibson at one of the international missionary retreats. And, and I preached the series on seven cries of Jesus from the cross. And one of the ladies came to me and said, that was a little bit too graphic for our children. Yeah, but it's real. If you think about what God suffered for us, how could we not give Him all that we are, including giving Him all our heart, and all our life. Listen, one who does not love God is not a disciple of Jesus Christ. You can act any way you want to religiously. You can be as religious. You can talk a good game. But if you don't love God, you're not a disciple of Christ. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. For God so loved. He also told us to love our neighbor. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We've been saying for a while at our church, and I don't want you to forget this, I love my church because my church loves Jesus. And together we love on others because Jesus loves people. He enables us to carry out the second great command, and that is to love people, to love others. We are commanded to do that, but you have a choice. Now, he says later in 1 John chapter 4, the one who says that he loves God and he hates his neighbor is a liar. He is not if he hates his neighbor. That, to me, takes care of racism. Now, I'm disturbed by those who teach that racism is okay if you are the minority race. That's not true. Racism is racism no matter what nationality or color you are. And racism is wrong. It is a sin against God. You can't hate your brother and love God. If you love God, you will, by the leadership of the Spirit, love your neighbor. One who does not love others is not a disciple of Jesus Christ. We're commanded to love God. We're commanded to love others. We're commanded to love our wives. Husbands, love your wives as, just like Christ, loved the church, and gave himself up for her. I'm going to talk about love being a commitment, and I don't know whether to tell this then or now. I'm just going to go ahead and tell it, tell it so I don't forget it. Giving yourself up 
because you love your wife. Husbands, you know, I have seen husbands and I have seen wives who made a commitment and sacrificed greatly because they loved their spouse. My own mother, when my dad, my dad died of Alzheimer's. That's not a pretty thing and it is never anything to, to joke about. I've, I've heard far too many people talk about hiding your own Easter eggs and that, that's not funny. Not when you've seen it. And my mother took care of my dad even when it got to the point that he did not know who she was. I saw Raymond McAllister in Florida when his wife, he lived next door to us. Brenda went over when she became disabled by, we found out after the autopsy, it was a brain, incurable brain disease. Brenda went over and, and would do her three-month cooking for 30 days, okay. But you did three months worth of cooking because we were doing a trip for three months. But Ray was by her every day taking care of her. He inspired me by that commitment. I warned Sam I was going to talk about him. I saw Sam loving on Bonnie, even in the worst moments. That man's a hero. Listen to me. Girls, you need to marry a man who will love you even when you don't know who he is. You never marry somebody that you can't respect, and you never marry somebody you can't love even when they don't know who you are. You can recognize a Christian man by how he treats his wife and a Christian woman by how she respects her husband. That is the command of Ephesians chapter 5. It's a love that is commanded. It is not optional and it never dies. Love one another. We are not just to love our spouses, our children, our grandchildren. We are to love each other. That's what church is all about. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I've loved you, you also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That is an identifying mark. We're talking about the mark of a disciple, and love is number one. It's number one, not just in our preaching series. It is the number one identifying mark. That's what Jesus said. That's not Lynn. That's what Jesus said. Listen, a Christian who is constantly critical of and angry at other believers, other Christians... probably isn't one. I know that's not an amen statement. That's an old me statement. That's serious business. Somebody who's a member of the church and is always angry about what's going on, always critical of everybody else, you have to wonder. They don't have the identifying mark of loving one another. Are they really a believer, a disciple of Jesus Christ? 
He's also commanded us, well, it just it gets harder and harder, doesn't it? We're to love our enemies. Where does it say that? Matthew 5.44. It's pretty clear. Love your enemies. You know what that means? It means love your enemies. You know, that's what's so radically different about Christianity as a religion. We are not commanded to hate and annihilate unbelievers. We are, to, we are taught even to love those who are against us and to pray for them. Listen, love is a mark of a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's a command, and we must obey. Love is also a commitment. I talked about this. I said it was coming. Love is a commitment. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You realize that that is a commitment from a husband. And when it says, you know, all the women say amen to that. Uh, do you say amen when it also says, wives, obey, submit to your husbands? That's a commitment too. It's a two-way commitment. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Love is a commitment. In a marriage, love is a commitment one to another. Love is not emotional infatuation. You know, uh, I'm old enough that I remember sending notes back in elementary school I love you. Do you love me? Uh, I never got any yeses. <laughs> I did get a few notes that said that to me. I wouldn't even answer because the ones I got them from were like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Too many people have fallen into infatuation. They say, I fell in love. Yeah, you fell in love, sort of like David's son who raped his sister because he loved her so much and instantly began to hate her. That's not love, friend. Too often we mistake infatuation. Now, infatuation may turn into love. I asked Brenda, and I'm... You know, I'm a whole lot older than Brenda, so I asked her, do you remember that movie? I can't remember the name of it where she would, the guy she wanted to marry when they kissed, it didn't curl her toes. And she finally met somebody who curled her toes. I got news for you. If that's how you're going to determine who to marry, you're in for a world of hurt. Love is not infatuation it's much deeper than that it is a commitment to to continue loving even when the fire is not does not burn so brightly in fact I've already said to you marry someone who will love you even when you don't know who they are and I would repeat that again love is not lust 
in 1 Corinthians 13, there's a lot about the nature of real love there. It, that is love, does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Young ladies, be careful about the man who approaches you and tries to get you to play married when you're not. Guys, when a young lady offers herself to you and you are not married, please understand you can only lose your virginity one time. And lust is not love. If you are living in lust, lust without a license is sin. Now you say in lust is okay if you got a license. Didn't get any amens for that either. You, you, know, you understand what I mean? In the bonds of marriage, lust for one another is great. It is fun. But lust without a license is sin against God. Get a license. Get married. Quit sinning against God. And if you want to back that up, I didn't, it's too long to write. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 8 and 9. You need to learn that love comes at a cost. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, shall cleave unto his wife, shall hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. If you are not willing to sacrifice for that young lady, if you're not willing to sacrifice for that young man, you are not in love. Love comes at a cost. Even if you're, Joe, even if you're talking about loving your neighbor, it costs you because love is an active verb. Terry, I just read a great book, Walking in the Dust of Rabbi Jesus. And it talks about the commands for love in the Old Testament and the New, that in Hebrew thought, every time you read those, you will see that there is an action that follows because love is an active verb. It's not a spectator verb. It's not a passive verb. It is an active verb. You demonstrate your love. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. You'll do what I say. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will continue, uh, we will come to him, and we'll make our home with him. Those are the words of Jesus. Listen to me. A disciple of Jesus Christ loves, he loves God. We show that by our worship. Worship is all about loving God. It's not loving the music. It's not loving the director. It's loving God. We lift our voices and some of us lift our hands because we are touched by the Spirit of God to love God in worship. We love God in our obedience. And dare I say, we love God by our attendance in His church. We expect members of our church to attend at least one service every week and to be a part 
of one of the small groups, if, even if you call it a Sunday school class, because you love God, and He loves people, showing kindness, respect, and generosity. And a disciple of Jesus Christ loves their church, not the building, the people. The church is not a building. Now, the building sure comes in handy. Don't, don't mistake that. But the church is not the building. It's you. And a child of God, a disciple of Jesus Christ, loves their church. Oh, by the way, there's some small print there if you can see it. I love my church. I love you. You have been so good to me and to Brenda in these past two years. And God has been good to this church. I mean, God has really been good to this church over the past couple of years. How can we not love Him? And how can we not love each other? He's been so good to us. Listen, don't miss the message that God is love and God loves you. God wants you to come to Him. He wants a relationship with you. He's not so much interested in you having a religious standing as He is that you have a relationship with Him. And you can only do that through Jesus Christ. I want you to stand together. We're going to give you the opportunity if you want to come to Christ in this very moment. The altar is here. I'll be here to, to pray with you. If you need to be saved, I encourage you to come after my prayer. If you need to come for baptism, Walter told me, he said, Brother Lynn, I'm going to put the lid back on the baptistry so the water will stay warm just in case. Well, amen. Because there's some of you who need to do that. If you're ready to make that decision, that commitment, come now. Or send me in the lobby at the end of the service. I realize it may be hard for you to come here before everyone. Just see me or see Todd in the lobby and tell us the decision you need to make. And then for those who've been drawn to be a part of this church and you're ready to make that commitment now after the prayer, or even during the prayer, come. Father, I thank you for your love for us. Help us to demonstrate your love to other people around us. Help us to control our frustration and our anger. Help us to demonstrate love to others the way you demonstrated your love to us. Lord, I pray now that you would draw those who need to make commitments and decisions, draw them now, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.